Impact Church podcast. We're in a series called Boot Camp, and today we're going to tackle Disembark. This whole chapter, chapter three, is all about Jesus. The main character in this is the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant is where the mercy seat was, and Jesus is the mercy seat, the propitiation for our sins. You might be standing in front of an, an impassable situation. You might be standing in front of an obstacle that seems too big for you, but I'll tell you, every obstacle will surrender to the grace of God. He delivered you, and He is with you, and He's going to bring you through every impassable circumstance. So come on, join with me in learning how Jesus is truly your champion. Are you ready? All right. We're in a series called Boot Camp. How many have been enjoying the boot camp so far? Why did we call it boot camp, Pastor? Because it just felt like, you know, why, why not make the most of this season of transition? And why not think of what could we do? Is there something we could do in this in-between place? In-between. And when you're in that in-between place, what could we do? What could we focus on? Let's not just preach some sermons and do some stuff. But let's, let's start to do some layers of, of building in our lives, of preparing ourselves for what's next. So I'm going to just mess up the whole slide for a second and go back here. Oops. Oh. I, like I said, I'm going to mess up the slide. One of these days I'm going to... You know, I got a new phone and the whole thing has gone funny on me. So let me go all the way through. Amen. <laughs> Wasn't that good? Why are you doing this to me, silly phone? Uh, boom. Oh, there we go. Look at that. That was good. I got I figured that out. Bam. There. All right. There we go. Now, that's actually where we're headed. That's 1200 Commissioners Road right now. How many have actually been by and seen that big thing painted blue? How many are like, what is going on? How many thought, isn't that cool? I, I, I actually, it assaulted my eyes. It was, it was like, I, I literally, I was... It assaulted my eyes. Hey, I, the landlord called me and says, hey, did you, did you see the paint job on the, on the thing over your front doors? I said, actually, I'm standing here right now. He said, yeah, wow, that didn't work out so good. I went, no. And he said, well, that one's on me. I went, okay, <laughs> that's good. Because, wow, I mean, it's a, it needs help. But anyway, we're actually going to, it's going to look more like this. So that's what it's going to look like. So... It, we're going to put, it's actually a bigger layer. We're going to put like some wood uh, feature at the bottom there and we're going to go dark and we're going to do it like that. So I thought that would match the brown a little bit. They're taking all this metal stuff away as well and cleaning up the whole front of the building and there. Those doors are going to get ripped out. We're putting in uh, larger doors, a set for the office and one set for the sanctuary and they're all going to be a, a nice pretty new color. So it's going to be so awesome, isn't it? So we're popping over there tonight just to pray. But when you do go over, it is going to be that powder blue sky looking thing, which uh, when I did step back, I thought if we want to get people's attention, that would be good. But man, I don't know. I don't want to assault anybody. But here we are. S sorry. It is at seven. Sorry. I kept, I kept thinking it was six, but apparently it is seven. How many thought it was six? <laughs> Keith? You and I, Keith, I don't know. The memo I got was six. But anyway, Keith and I will be there at six if anybody wants to join us. 
right? But we are in a boot camp. We are preparing to possess the promise. And there is a promise for us. There's a promise over us. There's declarations over our lives as individuals, over us as a church corporately. And we want to lay hold of that, right? You know, well, God promised stuff. Let's just hang out here and see what happens. But, you know, patience means constant endurance. Patience means just digging in, just biting down like a bulldog and never letting go. And I'm hanging on to this, and we're going to see it manifest in Jesus' name. So we're going to do this. We talked about other things we can do now that can prepare us for what's next. And we thought, well, I think there is. So the first thing we dealt with is declutter. I actually had an email from somebody this week who said, Pastor, I've been listening over and over to your declutter sermon, and I'm, I'm still working stuff out in my life. I'm still decluttering stuff, and I'm, I'm really really grateful for that. I'm really moving stuff that is unnecessary. I'm not taking it into my future. I'm unpacking a bunch of nonsense. I said, that's good. How many are still in the declutter phase? Few people. That's good. All right. Well, get her done. Moses is dead. That was the thing for Joshua. It's a new season. And you need to know that Moses is dead because Moses, the law cannot bring you into the promise. Moses represented the law. It represented all of that whole old covenant experience. The old covenant was not designed to bring you in. The old covenant was designed to make you cry out for a savior. The old covenant, the one purpose of the old covenant was to show you Jesus and to show you that you can't do anything without him. Jesus said of the leaders in his day, you keep on looking at the, the word, you keep on looking at that old covenant scriptures, looking for you know, life or something in it. He says, but what you miss is that points to me. The whole purpose of the old covenant is to point to Jesus. And if you don't see that, you can get lost in the old covenant with all kinds of, because the way they did things in the old covenant was different than us. If you obeyed, then you got God's goodness manifest your life but in the new covenant jesus obeyed and now by faith you got it all so in the new covenant it's not about your obedience it's not about your ability to cling to things or perform things you never could do it in the new covenant jesus did it all i mean all he covered it all moses can't take you in but joshua will he'll take you in he'll set you in he'll fix you in and he's got it covered from a to z he'll bring you in and nothing can take you out so you got to be in a massive understanding of what that's about. Next thing we talked about was determined. That's all about courage. He said, you got to be courageous now. And I really simplified courage because I, I said, sometimes courage looks like this. You ready? Help me. Sometimes that's what courage looks like. Sometimes courage looks like I made a commitment and I'm going to stay with it. I made a commitment, I'm going to follow through. I mean, courage doesn't always look like that amazing act that will change the world. Sometimes very sim a very simple act will change the world. And often, those people we consider heroes, they didn't enter that day thinking I'm going to be heroic. They just did the right stuff. They were just the people who lived out of principle, lived out of, out of values that were bedrock in their lives. And you know what? When you do that, suddenly courageous acts, and you're preparing yourself for that. One act of courage can open a door to significant transformation. Derive. Derive is where you plant yourself in the revelation that everything that I have, I need. Everything I need for my relationship with God, my walk with God, everything I need for life and godliness is because I'm a partaker of divine nature. And you got to understand that everything in your life, the seedbed, the source, the place that everything comes from, is that you know that it's all derived from your relationship with him. You get yourself fixed in that third day. He's the way, the truth, the life. He's Jesus Christ the Lord. He's Jesus. He is, he is life. Jesus. He's the 
anointed one and his lordship. There's triplets all through the word of God. And he says, fix yourself there for three days. You need to fix yourself in the fact and be settled in the reality that Jesus' resurrection is the source. It is the spring of our own life, future, and inheritance. And you got to get nailed down in that before you move because you're likely to get dragged back into performance and striving and all kinds of your own self-effort. You need to nail yourself to the finished work of the cross as the source of anything eternal that'll take place in your life. And you know, that seems really weird, but don't I got to do something? Yeah, what you got to do is make sure that all that you do is rooted in he did it all. Let me say that again. All that you got to do is make sure that you realize that everything that he did and all that you do is rooted in that he did it and it's done. Therefore, all you got to do is make sure you know he did it and walk in the doneness of what he did. I don't think that was the same as the one I said before, but I don't know if I could duplicate any of them again. But I'm telling you, you don't live in the land of do, do, do. You don't live in do, do. You live in done, done. It's done. He's got that covered too. Yes, <laughs> that's done as well. What about this? Yes. Well, what about this? Yes. Well, what about this? Yes. He's covered it all. And you got to get yourself baptized in that. And then there's some things we discovered because they sent a couple of spies. How many spies they sent the first time? Twelve. How many spies came back with a good report? Two. Last time they sent the spies out publicly, everybody knew what was going on. This time he sent the spies out, two spies, secretly, spies that he picked out to go and do this. So the spies went, they went to a brothel, my goodness. But you know, brothels where everybody's got loose lips and they tell you what's going on. So they went to find out the goods. But what they found out gave them confidence and compassion. They found out that, you know what, God has given us the land. And in fact, those people that 40 years ago we were terrified of, they were terrified of us back then. God is ready to take us and lead us into the fulfillment of the promise. In fact, we've already won. And then they realize, though, that there's all kinds of people in there who need help. There's all kinds of broken lives in there that need help. And I love that verse, verse 13 of chapter 2 of Joshua. Rahab, they said, what do you want? What can we do for you, Rahab? And you know what Rahab said? Save my family. There's all kinds of people around you, and we're going to explode in a revelation of the goodness of God. And all those people that are crying out, save my family, we're going to see a harvest like you've never seen before. This is the boot camp, folks. This is what we're getting ready for. We're getting our hearts and our minds prepared for an experience because we've never been this way before, but God's leading us into something wonderful, something special. Last week with Rahab, we learned that our history is irrelevant. There's no limit to his grace. His blood is powerful. Bind yourself to the blood. Well, you know, I was a loser, the blood. You know, I fell on my head, the blood. You know, I got broken relationships everywhere, the blood. You know, my body's sick, the blood. I need a new job, the blood. Bind yourself to the blood of Jesus. My mom, she used to plead the blood all the time. Now, my dad, I don't know why, but he, he was really good at deliverance ministry. And as a kid, it was not uncommon for me to be soundly asleep, and all of a sudden, you're I'd go out of my bedroom and I'd, you know, creep around the corner and I'd see somebody manifesting in the living room. My dad said, I bind you. I'll take authority over you now. In Jesus' name, come out. And I'm like, man, do they have to do that at home? That's kind of creepy. But, you know, my mom, she would come. When that started to go down, my mom, she would come running down the hall and she'd just plead the blood, plead the blood, plead the blood. 
She'd plead the blood. If it happened in church, she would run down the aisles to where the kids were and the youth. We plead the blood. We plead the blood. We plead the blood. And I used to go, man, that's a creepy thing. It's a bloody religion what we got here, you know. But you know what? The bloodline can never be broken. And the bloodline can never be crossed. And when you bind yourself, don't, don't make a, a mental assent to it. I mean bind. He didn't say attach it. He said bind it. Bind yourself to the blood of Jesus and the power that's in the blood of Jesus. And then what? Our future is secure because we have the bloodline of a champion. I am a thoroughbred. I'm a purebred believer. The very righteousness of God pumps through my veins. I can't get closer to God than I am right now. I can't even get better than I am right now. I am a purebred believer. My DNA just spills God. God. That was good. I just turned God into a three-syllable word. God. That was good right there. Amen. How many are feeling that right there? How many love recaps? That was a good recap right there. Ephesians 1.7, in him, in him we have redemption through his blood. What do we have? The forgiveness of sins. Your sins are forgiven. In him and because of his blood, your sins are forgiven and it's according to your ability to behave yourself. No, it's according to the riches of his grace. You were dead, doomed, and dominated. That's what it says in Ephesians. It says we were dead in our own unrighteousness. We were dead in our own. We were dominated by sin. We couldn't help ourselves. We were doomed to a lost eternity, but he made us alive. He raised us up, and he seated us with him in heavenly places. Finished work, done, justified, sanctified, glorified. Not someday, but right now, the very finished work of Christ is in my life, and I am a brief breathing fire believer full of Holy Spirit power. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And everywhere I go, I dispense the favors of the kingdom of heaven. True story. I'm not kidding. All right. Today we're going to do disembark. And I'm wishing I didn't start this series with D's because the D's have been hard to find. And this one is, we're, we're, cross, we're going to go over the Jordan. We're going to go. And I'm, I'm flying out of the country tomorrow, so I guess I was thinking about the card I'll sign out from your point of disembarkment. So I always wondered, what is that? Is that what I land when I get in, when I leave? What? So anyway, we're going to disembark today. We're going to disembark. Say to your neighbor, disembark. Ephesians 5, we're connecting this to Ephesians because Joshua is an old covenant laying hold of the inheritance, but Ephesians is the new covenant laying hold of the inheritance. In the old covenant, they laid hold of a promised land. In the new covenant, we are laying hold of the eternal purpose of God. Not, not a temporal purpose, not a purpose, a purpose that was before the Garden of Eden, a purpose that was in God before the foundation of the world. We are laying hold of our eternal purpose to be a called out community of believers that not just for this time, not not just in this season, but forever and ever, the church is the vehicle through which he will manifest his multifaceted glory to all principalities and powers. We are the vehicle through which God is going to govern the universe and manifest his wisdom. This isn't just some temporal thing just to win London, and we will win London. But it's not just to win London. It's the manifest of the whole cosmos. Jesus is Lord of all. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you. 
All right. Once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of the Lord shining through you because of your union with him. Say union with him. You are right now in union with God. You can't get any closer than you are right now. You were in darkness and now you are light. You are absolutely light. And in that light, there is no darkness at all. And because of your union with him, your mission is to live as children flooded with his revelation light. Ha! I'm not trying to be saved. I am saved. I'm not trying to stay saved. I can never lose what God has done. He did it. I didn't do it. He did it. And nothing and no one can ever pull me out of his hands. I have been brought into the light once and for all. And now I am a displayer. I am an, a living, walking, breathing tabernacle of God's glory. Everywhere I go, I put my foot. The dominion of heaven is in manifestation. <sighs> Man, hallelujah. See, I like that kind of hallelujah, don't you? Hallelujah. Not hallelujah. No, hallelujah. It's just got a growl to it. There you go. There's the Ark of the Covenant right there. That's one version of it. There's all kinds of versions you'll see online. But the, the main character in the story today is the Ark of the Covenant. I'm going to read 17 verses, and 11 times in 17 verses, the Ark of the Covenant is mentioned. How many think that if this is mentioned 11 times in 17 verses, the main character of these verses we're going to read is... The Ark of the Covenant. Sadly, a lot of people, a lot of preachers, they preach that it's still self-focused. It's still about you. It's not about you. It's about what he did. The Ark of the Covenant is the type of the presence of God with the people. The Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat right there. The Ark of the Covenant is a representation of Jesus. It says he is the propitiation of our sins. The word propitiation means mercy seat. Jesus is our mercy seat. Jesus went into heaven with his own blood and his blood was placed there in the heavenly tabernacle before God the Father and his blood now speaks a better promise once and for all we have been set free once and for all we have been lifted up once and for all we have been in Christed for every generation to manifest the goodness of God I'm not shouting I'm just loud just loud just but that's the ark of the covenant that's one version of it that's what that's all about the bottom part is acacia wood and gold it's overlaid with gold acacia wood it represents jesus when god became flesh and dwelt among us so that represents his 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 dual nature his humanity and his divinity but this top part was one piece of gold and it was hammered can you imagine that was hammered and fashioned out of one piece of gold and that lid is the mercy seat and you see, underneath, inside here, I'm going to tell you what's there, all right? Uh, let me go ahead. There's three things in the ark, all right? There's three things that are rooted in failure. There's three things in there that are rooted in failure. Three things. Number one, the pot of manna. God gave them provision. They complained about it. They complained against it. That was God's provision. God gave them leadership, and they complained about it. So you have Aaron's rod that butted us in there because they challenged the leadership that God gave them, and they, he, they didn't like that. They challenged that. And then there's the Ten Commandments, God's holy standards that the people could not keep. There's three things in that box that are underneath the mercy seat. Now, in the hierarchical realm of God, in the priority of God, if you remember with the Ark of the Covenant, I don't know how to go back to it because I'm still figuring out this new phone. But if I went back, you would see that what's on top, the mercy seat. What's underneath? All your failures. 
What's underneath is all the inability of man to be everything that God called them to be. Every single place that you fell short is under the mercy seat. What goes on the mercy seat? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus means that you will only receive grace. You will only receive mercy. You will only walk in all the finished work of the cross, the finished work of God. The mercy seat is sealed. There was one time, you remember when the the ark, uh, God was fed up with his own people, and so he went and spent some time with the Philistines. You remember that one? He went and hung out with the Philistines for a while. It didn't go well with the Philistines because they kept putting the ark in front of their God and they were going to have a big party. Look, we got, we got Israel's God, so we're going to put it in, in front of our God and, and we're going to have a party tomorrow. But when they came back, their God was down on his face. They went, oh, cancel the party. We've got to prop our God back up again, fix him up. And then they propped it all back up. Okay, party tomorrow. Our God's bigger than their God. Our God's bigger than their God. And sure enough, boom, they came back the next day and it wasn't just on his face, but his head was knocked off. His arms were knocked off and he was just obliterated so they kind of thought you know what I'm not sure we like this God suddenly they got tumors and and they had had something terrible called hemorrhoids who would have thought of a a curse of hemorrhoids well if you've had hemorrhoids you know it's a curse so but but anyways they had a curse of hemorrhoids and so they decided to make all kinds of golden hemorrhoids I don't know where they got the anyways (laughs) So, yeah, okay. And, and so they, they made these golden hemorrhoids, put them on an ox cart, and they sent it back to Israel. And so here's the Ark of the Covenant going back to Israel on an ox cart. They saw all these gold hemorrhoids, so somebody said, hey, I wonder if they put any inside the box. And when they lifted the mercy seat, it wasn't good. When you lifted the mercy seat, you're, you're back at changing the whole hierarchy to you. You're changing the whole hierarchy to your ability, to you running your own destiny, to you being the captain of your own show. Leave the lid on. Don't crawl back in and try to figure out, don't stick your finger back in the mess. Now today, uh, you know, I gotta go to a therapist and gotta stick my finger back in the mess. Well, you know, sometimes therapy is good as long as you find a good one. But you know, don't, don't revisit your nonsense. Don't stick your finger back in the caca. The lid is shut. The blood of Christ has been applied to the mercy seat. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. So don't go flipping the lid. Keep it shut. Keep it shut. So there's those three things that you had to deal with. So we're in Joshua 3. We're going to go through this little Bible study. All right. I got the time right in front of me. Hallelujah. They just typed up a sign. Pastor, you have to stop now. What is wrong with you people? All right. Joshua 3. We're going to read right through this chapter and make a few observations. Are you ready? All right. How many just really believe that those pews are for 10-minute sermons? <laughs> Stephen gave me a bold yes right away, right here. Amen. We're going to sell cushions next. We're going to auction them off right before the service. I can see them going for a lot. Just say, move on, Pastor. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay, okay. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. What, what is then? Then is the spies came back and said, man, those people are terrified us. There's people who need hope. There's people who actually want to join our team. I mean, it is ready for us to take it. So Joshua woke up early. He said, man, this is exciting. We're going to go in. We're going to take it. He woke up early in the morning, and they set out from the Acacia Grove, and they came to the Jordan. Now, the Jordan, the word Jordan is Yardan, and Yardan means descending, and it's literally descending into judgment. 
descending into the Dead Sea. And it descends rapidly. I mean, the Jordan River, it moves really, really fast. From, from the source of the Jordan River comes down to the Galilee, it's a really fast decline. And then it declines again all the way into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is well below sea level. And everything that goes into the Dead Sea dies. It's just bad. Anyways, the Jordan, the descending into judgment. And he went uh, of all the children of Israel and they lodged there. Say lodged there. They lodged there. They, they dwelt there. They, they sat down there. And look what it says. It says they sat down there before they crossed over. And for three days they sat down there before they crossed over. Why did they do that? Why didn't they just go boom, bang, let's go. Hey, let's get in there, let's go. But for three days they stopped at the Jordan. And it's interesting because so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, say Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the priests, the Levites bearing, you shall set out from your place. But they had to wait there for three days. Now what did they see in that three days? What was before them? What assaulted their eyes that whole time? You know what assaulted their eyes? A river that was flowing between 20 and 40 miles per hour. That's pretty violent. If you know about the Jordan River, the Jordan River is an easily, you can cross it, it's like a stream, it's not that hard to cross. But every year, every year in the springtime, it overflows its banks. And when it overflows its banks, it literally can be a mile wide. And you see, the thing is that through the year, when the Jordan you know, goes down back into its little stream, what grows up all along the side of the Jordan are thickets and brush and, and all kinds of bramble bushes and thorns and all kinds of messy stuff. So when the Jordan floods its banks, it's not like it just floods some nice little common, calm, calm floodplain. I mean, what you're going to cross through, what you're going to try to fight through, and the Bible talks about it, Jeremiah talks about it, it's, it's violent, it's dangerous, and you can get caught up in that, and it can it can swallow people and destroy people. This is not a time to cross the Jordan. I mean, we should wait a couple more months because in a couple months, it'll be back down to that little stream. Why are we sitting here? Do you, do you believe? Why are we crossing now? What's Joshua thinking? What is going on? I mean, we're going to die inside of this violent, impassable, impossible river. And I believe he wanted to get them fixed on the thing that there is something. This isn't the little stream, and we're not going to wait. We're going to do this very soon, but you're going to pass through, and you're going to go across an impossible situation. Because your coming out was a miracle, and your going in is going to be a miracle. You came out miraculously delivered, but you're going to walk into the fullness of God, not by your own strength, your ability to be a good person, but you're going to go into something miraculously. Your walk with God, your taking hold of the promises of God is not going to be something that is going to be done by your own strength. It's going to be a miracle through which you possess everything that God has given you as an inheritance. You're going to go from miracle to miracle to miracle. You're never going to do any of this stuff in your own strength or flesh. Nor do I want you to. But I want you to know that I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to make a way where there is no way. In any place where you come and say, I've never been this way before. You can trust me that no matter what it looks like. No matter the difficulty in front of you. No matter how violent the river that I'm calling you to cross over. You will experience a miracle. And I will bring you across the other side. And you will see the salvation of your God no matter what. What the circumstance is. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, the ark, about 2,000 cubits. A cubit is from your elbow to the tip of your fingers. So 
It usually, they say, would be about a foot and a half. So they're talking about 3,000 feet. I want you all to stay away about 1,000 yards. I want 3,000 feet. I want you to stay away from the ark. Now, why did he do that? Because God is violent and holy. He might have a bad day. Don't come real close to him because he will smite you. No, he did that because he wanted everybody to see. Because if we were all huddled right close to it, the people in the back, what's going on? What's happening? What's going on? He wanted them to stand back. He wanted them to be able to have a distance, have a little room, because I want everybody to see what's going to happen next. True story. Leave a space between you of that measure. Do not come near it that you may know. Why? That you may know what? That you may know, that you may know that the way by which you must go, for there you have not passed before. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. See, now a lot of preachers, here's where they go, okay, if you're going to step into all the good things God wants for you, it all depends on whether you can purify yourself enough. Hey, because some of you folks got issues. And if you don't think you got issues, well, you got the biggest issue because you're deceived and lying to yourself. You know, unless you get rid of your issues, God's not going to use you. You need to get yourself special. You need to clean your act up. You smell like caca. It's not what it's about at all. Literally, that word is often translated prepare. And here's, you know what? God's going to do some amazing stuff tomorrow. Get ready. When you get ready for this, I want, I want you. Oh, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. No, I want you, everybody to show up. I want you all to be there because I'm telling you, Something great's going to happen. And God told Joshua, I'm going to do a miracle for these folks. And I tell you, I want them to stand back. I want everybody to be able to see. I want everybody to see this. And I want everybody to prepare to be there. Well, I got stuff going on tomorrow, Pastor. No, no, no. Tomorrow, God's going to do something great. Please prepare to be there. Set yourself apart for that day. Set it apart on your calendar. It's going to be a special, special day. But we turn it into, if God's going to use you, brother, hallelujah. You got to clean your act up. God will not use a filthy vessel. You got to clean your cup if he's going to put his presence in you. Well, remember, we said he does it all, right? So, yes, he does use clean cups. So, how do you get your cup clean? Him. He sanctifies you. He purifies you. It says, I'm going to put a new spirit in you, and I'm going to put a new heart in you. So, he does that. He gives you the new spirit, the new heart, because he said, You know why I do that? Because I'm going to put my spirit in you. And he can't unite himself with something that's broken, and you can't fix yourself enough to be a container. So, we got a problem because I could never be holy enough for you to fill me, and you're too holy to fill me, and you won't fill anything that's unholy. So, what are we going to do, Father? I got it covered. I'm going to cleanse you, sanctify you, and set you apart. I'm going to purify you with my blood from all unrighteousness, and I'm going to flood you and fill you with my spirit. But sadly, people come here and they, here's a really good place for me to beat the saints up. Here's a really good place for me to go, ah, you know what the message is in this story? The message is the Ark of the Covenant. The main character is the Ark of the Covenant. Ten times the Ark of the Covenant. And if you take the times it's just referred to many more times, the Ark of the Covenant is the main character. It's not you. You need to just get ready to see what God's ready to do on your behalf. But you see, the church and religion get you staring at your belly button again, and you never see the miracle because you spent the whole day, am I right yet? Am I pure enough? Am I a 10 out of 10, or am I just a 9? Did I get it all figured out yet? Have I covered it all? Maybe I missed something. I don't know. There could be something. 
He got it all. He covered it from A to Z. He totally cleansed you and sanctified you. And he didn't just say that you're righteous. He imputed and imparted his righteousness to you. You are the righteousness of God. The same quality as his holiness. Be holy as I am holy. He didn't make that as a high bar. He said, that is the standard. And that's what I have done for you. I have made you my very nature. You're a partaker of divine nature so that I can flood you with my power and my strength and my ability. So now it's such a good message. Go sanctify yourself. Prepare yourself. Get ready. Because we're going to see some wild stuff, people. Don't get distracted. Don't go get your nails done. Cancel that appointment to have your eyebrows pasted back on. They told me to pluck them. Now they tell me to paste them. I don't know. I'm so, I don't know what's going on. Prepare yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and go before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will exalt you. Now what is Joshua? Joshua is a type of Jesus. This day, through this miracle, Jesus Christ is going to be exalted. Or you could say, me as your pastor, I'm finally going to get the respect I'm worthy of. You're finally going to appreciate me. Finally, I can't, Father, thank you. Finally, finally. No, it's not about that. So Jesus, when we do this, we cross over, Jesus is going to get exalted. Remember when they calmed the storm, Jesus crossed over? It says everybody recognized Peter. No, it says everybody recognized him. We're going to step into a miracle and people are going to see Jesus. And he's going to be highly exalted. Oh, boy, in the sight of all of Israel. And they may know that as I was with Moses... I am with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you've come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. But it's running like 20 to 40 miles an hour, and we're carrying the Ark. And you see, when they're carrying the Ark, they didn't see that gold thing that I showed you. It was covered with three different layers. It was covered with the first uh, separating curtain from the Holy of Holies, and then it had a badger skin over it, which represented that nothing can penetrate the holiness, the power. And then it was covered with a big blue cloth, and it looked like this, it looked like the sign that we painted over on 1200 Commission. Uh, they followed this thing that was covered in blue. That's what they saw. And you see, but they followed that. They followed it after that, saying, when you have come to the edge of Jordan, stand in that. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he without fail will drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Girgashites, the Armorites, the Jebusites, the Termites, the Mosquitoites, the I can't hear the, the this this pew is hardites. The uh, can't find a parking spotites. The uh, he's going to drive out all those ites. He's going to drive it out. And behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. All the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves twelve men of the tribes of Israel, one from every tribe, and they shall pass over. And as soon as the soles of your feet of the priests shall touch the, the ark of the Lord, and as soon as they touch the water, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the water shall, that came down from upstream, and they shall stand up in a heap. You got to put your feet in the water, folks. It, it still looks like a flood. I mean, put your feet in there. Well, it's a violent, I mean, 20, 40 miles an hour, we can get swept downstream and put your feet in. Nothing's changed yet. There's no evidence that God's at work in this. Put your feet in. Sometimes you got to step in. You got to step in when it looks like nothing. You got to step in when you don't see a miracle. You got to believe that you have what you got, even though it doesn't look like you got nothing. 
Say that again twice. All right. So it was when the people set out, the priests went ahead with the Ark of the Covenant before the people and those who were for them. The Ark went into the Jordan. The feet of the priests with the Ark dipped into the edge of the water in the Jordan. It overflows its banks during that season and all the banks during the whole time of the harvest and the waters which came down from upstream stood still. <sighs> it rose in a heap very far away. It went all the way back to Adam, right there beside in the area of Zaratan, which means all the way back to Adam, all the way to the place of their distress. The waters parted all the way back to the point of your distress, right there at Adam. Right where Adam caused distress to enter into all of mankind, right there when his one act, where all became united in Adam, we all became sin because of Adam, the waters parted all the way back to that place of distress, all the way back to Adam, all the way through the bloodline of all of mankind, went all the way through, and it dealt with every single issue. Nothing is going to come through this bloodline again. You are going to be absolutely, totally set free from the empty ways of your forefathers. Boom. Well, you know, it runs in my family. No, it doesn't. This verse right here says no. It says every distress, every fallen thing, every bit of nonsense that was generational or whatever it was, if you believe it's generational, guess what? It is. If you believe that's the way it is, that's the way it is. As you believe in your heart, as you confess with your mouth, as a man thinketh, so it is. I think, I think that this crossing over is a type of what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. And when Jesus crossed over and when he went from life to death to life again, he totally set us free from every creeping thing. I am no longer in Adam. There's only two types of people, in Adam or in Christ. They were in Christed when they went through this miracle. When you went through the miracle of being born again and flooded and filled with the Holy Spirit, you were totally set free from every foul thing that would ever say it has a claim on you. It's done. You're delivered from it completely in the name of Jesus. Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Well, some days I got a little bit of both. No! I'm in Christ. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on the dry ground in the midst of Jordan. All, say all. They all crossed over, even the bad ones, even the ones that were terrified, even the ones that were sitting there going, this don't look good, this doesn't look good. For they all crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Then you go into the next chapter, and it says, and the soles of the feet of the priests came out of the river, they touched dry land, and the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Well, why did the water start flowing again, Pastor? To show you that you have been delivered once and for all. There is no going back. You are totally separated now from all of that stuff. We cleansed everything all the way back to Adam. All of your distress has been dealt with and you can't return to it anymore. You've been brought into Christ once and for all. You are completely, wholly delivered and there's no return at all to where you've been before. Hey! Okay, I got to wrap it up because the folks here told me, wrap it up, pastor. Okay. There's a few people here right now saying, this is the church of the swollen tailbone. <laughs> Couple verses for you. 
Romans chapter 3, 21 to 25. But now a righteousness of, of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed to by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not works, it's faith, so that no one can boast. The just shall live by faith. It is to all and on all who believe. There is no difference. For all have sinned. Everyone is in distress. Everyone was involved in Adam. We were all baptized in Adam. But when Jesus went through the finished work of the cross, when he came out the other side, he is now seated in the throne of glory. And his own blood is right there in front of the Father on the mercy seat. And it speaks for you. We've all been totally delivered once and for all. We've been totally set free because all had missed the mark. All had missed the mark, which is the glory of God. Everybody did. But we are now being justified, and we've been justified freely by our efforts. Even justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ, whom God has set forth as the propitiation or as the mercy seat. By his blood, through faith, we have been absolutely, totally set free. I'm wrapping up right now. I'm wrapping up right now. We can go to the place God has promised us. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. He will miraculously bring us through every impassable situation. Yes, he will. And I got a call last week that said, we can't do church down there. I really did. Somebody in the city said, no, there's a rule down on page something. And he sent it to me and it says, you cannot have a place of worship or a house of worship. So I said, we're not a house of worship. We're an assembly of religious folks. Because it says in another spot that you can't have a religious assembly hall. So I'm like, man, we're in definition terms, right? Like, what are we doing? So anyway, when I got it, I, I was leaving the office at Thursday night, and I got this email. I went, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. The mercy seat. Here's another impassable situation. Somebody just said no. A violent river started coming my way, and I said, no! He will miraculously bring us through every impassable situation. Somebody in the city just said, no, it's impossible. He will miraculously bring us through every impossible situation. Jesus passed before us and is the way for us to experience fullness. This is it. You ready? Are you standing on the banks of an impossible situation? Are you right now in your world, in your life, in your family? with your children, with your marriage, with, with life, with your job, with your career, physically, with your body? Are you standing in front of a manifestation of a violent river that if I get into this, I'm gonna tumble, get stuck, I'm gonna get messed up, this is not good. Are you standing in front of an impassable river? You are a candidate for a miracle. You are a candidate for a miracle today, today today. Jesus has once and for all delivered you from every obstacle to his grace. He delivered you and he is with you. He doesn't bring you across and say, have fun, see ya. He is with you. He is in you. 
And he's partnering with you to manifest and to bring into full expression that inheritance that is already yours. Mm -hmm.